Just lift your hands all over this place and pray with me. Father, we ask that your presence would come into this place this morning. We ask that your spirit would anoint your word. We ask that you'd move mightily, powerfully in our hearts. And Lord, that our relationship with you would be great this morning. That you teach us, Lord, the things we lack in and how to get closer to you this morning, Father. Lord, we open up our hearts, our minds, and our spirits, Lord, to receive from you. In the name of Jesus, we pray. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. As you're in Exodus, I want to read a verse in 1 Thessalonians 5, 23. It says, Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely. And may your whole spirit, soul, and body be preserved blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. How many know that any day Jesus Christ can come back for us? Amen. And we're looking and we're watching and we're waiting. And, and, t- and Paul says to, to the Thessalonian church, I want you to be ready. I want you to be ready body, soul, and spirit. Body, soul, and spirit. Amen. So just mark that in your Bible or write that in your notes and keep that there in your mind as we go forward. I want to talk about where is your relationship with God this morning. All right. Where is your relationship with God? This is one of those messages that by the time I get done, you'll have a better understanding of where your walk is with God. How many want to know that? Now we have to understand that Bible is cutting. The Bible is piercing. So sometimes it might be something that confirms something we already know, or it might bring out something to the light. We might realize that we're not in the place of relationship we want to be with God. We might realize that we're in a pretty good place, but we could be in a better place. God is never wanting us to be satisfied in our relationship. You want more. We want more. We want more of God. And if you look at Exodus 33 with me, we're going to look at what happened back, way back in the beginning of the Old Testament church. And we're going to start off in verse 7 as Moses is meeting with the Lord. We begin to see the Old Testament of what we're doing this morning. Which is meeting together. There's a little bit of feedback, right? Still? Moses took his tent and pitched it outside the camp. Far from the camp. And called it the tabernacle of meeting. That sounds better. And it came to pass that everyone who sought the Lord. Watch that. Everyone who who sought the Lord, went out to the tabernacle of meeting, which was outside the camp. So just like this morning, we got out of our camp, we got out of our house, we came to church. We're doing in the New Testament what they did in the Old Testament. God said, take this tabernacle of meeting and take it outside of where you live so that the people would go and seek God out there. So they would be a place, a special place that they could meet together. Verse 8, so it was whenever Moses went out to the tabernacle that all the people rose and each man stood at his tent door and watched Moses until he had gone into the tabernacle. And it came to pass when Moses entered the tabernacle that the pillar of cloud descended and stood at the door of the tabernacle and the Lord talked with Moses. All the people saw the pillar of cloud standing at the tabernacle door. And all the people rose and worshipped, each man in his tent door. Just like we did this morning, we rose, we worshipped. So the Lord spoke to Moses face to face, as a man speaks to his friend. And he would return to the camp. But his servant Joshua, the son of Nun, a young man, did not depart from the tabernacle. Then Moses, verse 12, said to the Lord, See, you have said to me, bring up these people, but you have not let me know 
whom you will sin with me. Yet you've said, I know you by name, and you've also found grace in my sight. Now, therefore, I pray, if I have found grace in your sight, show me now your way. How many want to know God's way this morning? That I may know you and that I may find grace in your sight and consider that this nation is your people. And he said, my presence is the promise of God. My presence will go with you and I will give you rest. Amen. Verse 15. Then he said. If your presence does not go with us. Don't bring us up from here. That's the attitude we need to have this morning, church. If God's not with me, I'm not going. If God's not involved, I'm not there. I want to be where God is. And I want to bring this into New Testament. I want to bring this into today. We understand that this was an Old Testament tabernacle. This was a place that you have to understand in the Old Testament was totally different than today. Where we can all come in. In that place where Moses went, you could not go, I could not go, only the priests could go. They could be the, in that place, there was, a, there was a, in the old tabernacle, there was a wall around separating from the, where they lived to where the tabernacle was. And then inside of that wall was a tabernacle. And inside of the tabernacle was a room where there was a curtain that separated. So you had the outer court outside of the temple, outside of the tabernacle, okay? Back then it was tabernacle. Then in Jerusalem it was temple. Today we call it the church. Doesn't matter what you call it, church, temple. It's the building, the place we come together. But in that place there was an outer court. Then there was an inner court. And then inside of the inner court was what was called the Holy of Holies. That is actually where God's presence was. And how many know that many of us have been saved and uh, never been to church before? There's a lot of this people in this church that have never, before you came into this church, ever been to church. Then there's other people who are raised in church. Then there's other people who are raised in some religion. There's a form of godliness. There's a lot of knowledge, head knowledge and all these things. And we sometimes have a hard time getting to know God like God wants to be known. And we don't really know how. And I want to show you this morning that this has always been a problem. But one thing that they had in the Old Testament that we need more of is reverence for God. We need more respect for God. We need more respect for his house. Now, that's not my message. Don't don't get me wrong. But this is God's house. This is the place we call our church. This is where we come together. And sometimes I've seen other Religions, I'm not going to name names. They have more of a reverence for the place of, of worship than we, we Christians do sometimes because of where I'm going to go. But how many know that you can love somebody, have a relationship with them, but you can still respect them? God wants to have a balanced relationship with us. He wants us to be intimate with him, but he also wants us to revere him and have a respect for him. Amen. And so as you saw in the Old Testament, the tabernacle, there were people hanging out on the outside in the outer courts. They would dare enough to go from their house to the tabernacle area. They would not go in. They would hang out on the outside. 
I'm going to show you three types of people this morning, and you need to find out where you're at. They would hang out on the outside, so they would be there, but they would not go inside to the, to the uh, inner court where they could. The only place you couldn't go was inside the Holy of Holies. You could not pass that curtain. And it was a place where as people began to know about God through Moses, then they would get closer and they'd come to the outer court and they'd kind of hang around outside, but they wouldn't go inside. Then as they'd begin to get to know the Lord a little bit and they'd begin to get to know the Ten Commandments, and they'd begin to get to know what was going on, then they might feel like, okay, I know God well enough now, I can go inside the court. But they knew they could never go past that curtain into the Holy of Holies because only one man once a year could go into that place and that was the priest and he had to go in that place and he had to stand, the rabbi, he had to stand in front of everybody, for, for everybody in that place and many times in the Bible if somebody went in that was not the person that was supposed to go in, they didn't come back out alive. They died. The presence of God was a serious thing. And so there was only one man he would go in and he would stand in for them. There's one verse that shows this seriousness of God in Habakkuk 1.13. He says that he could not even tolerate to look on evil. How many know we serve a holy God this morning? It's not, he's not the God this world's made him out to be. He's a holy, powerful God. Amen. And so the picture in that veil, in that holy of holies, was a barrier between man and God. It was a barrier. You could not cross it. You could not go past it. So as that priest would come in to stand before the people, he couldn't just walk in either. There was some preparation that took place before he could go in. He had to wash himself really good. He had to make meticulous preparations. I'm not going to go into time. They're in the book of Exodus. Lots of little things that they had to do. Lots of little meticulous things they had to do. Another one, bring burning incense in. And then they had to let the smoke cover the air so they could not see the presence of God. Then they had to bring the blood in of that sacrifice of that perfect lamb. And he would be, it would be atonement for all the sins of all the people for that year. And that's where we get the word atonement from. Now, how many, without going in, how many have ever read the book of Exodus, Deuteronomy, Leviticus? If you don't have an understanding of the New Testament, all that stuff sounds crazy. I told you my brother-in-law from Costa Rica, who's a new convert, uh, voxed me and said, hey, I'm in Deuteronomy and Leviticus. We need to talk. I got lots of questions. He's lost. He's like, whoa, Amen. If you go back and read that stuff, you know what it does first and foremost? It shows you God was really serious, but then it shows you how thankful you should be. We live in the New Testament. Amen. Amen. We don't have to do all that stuff they had to do. So to appreciate God's grace and appreciate what we have today, that's why you need to go read the Old Testament. Don't just say, well, I don't understand it, and I don't want to read it, and I don't need it. That's wrong. We need the whole Bible. Amen. When you realize what they had to do back then, you realize how good God is. Let me read you a few verses. Hebrews 9, 7, if you're taking notes. But only the high priest entered the inner room, and that once a year, and never without blood, which he offered for himself and for the sins of the people that they had committed, the Bible says, in ignorance. Okay? How many know there's a difference between sin in ignorance and sin willfully? I'll let you think about that. So the presence of God remained shielded from man behind that thick curtain, amen, 
until Jesus came on the scene. How many are thankful for Jesus this morning? Amen. Thank God Jesus came down. Amen. Something powerful happened. If you, you've heard this before in Matthew 27. When Jesus was on that cross, he was being mocked. It was near the end. The Bible says that he began to cry out with a loud voice. And as he cried out, the Bible says he yielded up his spirit. And when he said it is finished, the Bible says in Matthew 27, 51, Behold, watch this, the veil of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. And the earth quaked and the rocks were split. So picture this with me. Sometimes you've heard verses you didn't really understand. I'm telling you that in the Old Testament, if you wanted to get close to God, first of all, you couldn't get close to God like we can today. Then if you wanted to dare to get closer, you had to do a whole lot of stuff. But there was always still that veil where only certain people could get to God. And listen, there's a mentality today some, for some reason in wrong teaching that only certain people can know God. Only certain people can be close to God. And that's not true. I talked about that Wednesday night. The Bible says God is no respecter of persons. He wants to have a relationship with everybody. He doesn't look at your pocketbook. He doesn't look at the color of your skin. He doesn't look at what you have or don't have. He doesn't look at your talents or lack of. He looks at your heart. And if your heart is pure and clean before God, he says, come on in. I want to sup with you. I want to dine with you. I want to spend time with you. I died for you. I want a relationship with you. God wants a relationship with you more than you want a relationship with God. Thank God. But there's a way we can get to him. And I'm going to get to that in a second, but I'm giving you a foundation for this message. So he dies on the cross. This is one of the most powerful, most important things that happen. And we hear it and don't pay attention to it. When that curtain was, when that veil, which was a 60 foot long curtain by 30 feet high. Okay, I'm guessing this roof above me, further back it gets higher, is probably 15 to 20 feet. It's taller than this roof. It's wider than this stage. And, and it was four inches thick. So how many know that that veil was not torn by a man? Or by a person. It was torn by the hand of God. And it was one of the most powerful things that happened in Scripture. There's a lot of stuff that went on when he said it is finished. Amen. But the greatest thing was that that veil, you say, what does it matter that the veil was torn? Because when that veil was torn, when that four inch thick thing was torn, and it wasn't torn, the Bible says, from bottom to top, where a man could have done it, or they could have got a bunch of people in there. It was torn from top to bottom. And when that veil was torn, it once and for all, say once and for all, gave us access to God. And there was no longer a veil between God and man, but because of the blood of Jesus, because of the death of Jesus, because of the sacrifice of Jesus, because he took our place, that priest would go in once a year with the blood and he would atone the sins of all humanity, or all those people in the camp for one year. Jesus said, I'm going to do it once and for all. I shed this blood for you. And when I shed this blood, the veil rent and there was immediate access to God relationship with God what a powerful powerful thing to think about we have today what they could never have back then 
Do you realize how many people? We can talk about the people who failed. We can talk about the people who did wrong. We can talk about all the people who got stoned and all the people who didn't listen. There's a lot of that in the Old Testament. We can talk about the wilderness. But there was a lot of people who loved God. And those people did not get to see God face to face. They did not get to come in to the presence of God. Do you realize how much for granted we take the presence of God? God actually said, where there are two or more gathered in my name, I'm there in the midst. He's here right now. We are in the presence of God right now. He's here. He's alive. He's real. Amen. And so we see that Jesus said it is finished and that veil was rent. Revelation 21, 16 says, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place, watch this, by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way opened for us through the curtain. That is his body. See, his body was that curtain. His body was broken for us. Let it, he says, let us draw near to God with a sincere heart. Watch this. In full assurance of faith. We need to be more sure this morning of our relationship with God. We need to know who we are. We need to stop walking around like people who are guessing if they're children of God. We need to start walking around like children of God. We need to start realizing that we're not part of a government or we're not part of just some world. We are part of the kingdom of God. We are children of the king of kings and Lord of lords. The alpha and the omega is my dad this morning. Amen. And you are his child. And we need to walk like children of God. But we don't sometimes because we come from places where we don't feel worthy to. And that's okay because we come from a house where we were abused. We come from a place where we were looked down upon. We live in a society where things are looked down upon. But God wants us to have a relationship with him. Here's another verse, Hebrews 10, 19 to 22. If you want a good understanding of the Old Testament, go to Hebrews. Read the whole book. The Holy of Holies, watch this. Hebrews 10, 19 to 22 is a representation of heaven itself. God's dwelling place, which we now have access to through Christ. In Revelation, John's vision of heaven, the new Jerusalem was a perfect square, just as the holiest holy was. The holy of holies was 15 feet in every direction. It was a perfect square. It was absolutely a symbol of that new Jerusalem. Amen? How many know when you begin to read the scriptures and see it all together, it all makes sense? Watch this, Hebrews 9, 24 to 26. For Christ did not enter a man-made sanctuary. This is a man-made sanctuary. And we know it wasn't even made for church. Right? This wasn't made for church. But we've taken it and made it into a church. Because it's not about the walls. It's about the presence of God. It's about God taking over. Amen? And it says, for Christ did not enter a man-made sanctuary that was only a copy, sorry, that was only a copy of the true one. He entered heaven himself, itself, now to appear for us in God's presence. Nor did he enter heaven to offer himself, watch this, again and again. The way the high priest enters the most holy place every year with blood that is not his own. But now, Hebrews 10, sorry, 9, 26 says, he has appeared once for all. Once for all. That'd be a good thing to make sure you write in your scriptures or underline or make emphasis there. Once for all, at the end of the ages, watch this, to do away with sin by the sacrifice himself. 
Taking notes, write this down. There's three types of people right now here in this church. Because you're here. Three types of people. And I just explained it to you in the tabernacle. There are outer court people. There are inner court people. And there are people who are living in the holy of holies. Okay? I'm going to go over that. Outer court people, inner court people, holy of holies. Let's go real quick to John chapter 12. I want to show you something very important. If you've got your Bibles, go to the New Testament. Now this is something that, the great thing about God and our relationship, how many know relationships are built? Marriage is built. You get married on emotion. You get married off of appearance. You get married off of many things. And then when you say I do and that first year's over, all those things go out the window and you begin to build a relationship not based on the things you got married for. No amens there, huh? Just me? <laughs> marriage is work. Okay, I guess y'all ain't feeling me on the marriage thing, so friendship. Let's go friendship. Friendship is work. How many know it's hard to find a true friend? A true friend. One that will stick closer than a brother, the Bible says. A true friend. So watch this. John chapter 12. This is very interesting. Say amen if you're there. Jesus is about to predict his death on the cross. Let's look at verse 27. He says, now my soul is troubled. And how many know we'll never understand the trouble Jesus was going through at this moment? And what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour? Question mark. You know that he was in that place of travail. He was in that place. We've, We've got to understand this before we move forward. Jesus was in a fleshly body with fleshly feelings of pain and abandonment. And there was a moment when God himself in the flesh, feeling our, how many know that's what really makes it real, is that yes, he was God, but with human feelings. You can't ever take that away. That's the deity. That's the power. Is that he was God, but he came in and was God in this body we live in. So he felt what we feel. He felt fear. He felt anger. He felt all the things that we're tempted with, the Bible says he felt. And so at one point, we know that he got to a point where he said, I don't know if I want to do this. Thank God for him showing his humanity in that moment where he said, I don't know if I want to do this. And he actually said in the garden, Father, if there's another way, let's do this. And then all of a sudden he came back to himself and said, no, not my will but your will be done. And I've said this a million times. I thank God I was not on the cross and you weren't on the cross and know what I know was on the cross because we would not be saved. All of us would have stopped. And even if we'd have got to the cross, once they'd have started mocking us, we'd have called the angels down from heaven and killed them all. Come on, be real. Don't be super holy. Thank God Jesus was Jesus. But he was in that physical, real body. And he's travailing and he's going, what can't Father save me from this hour? And he says, but for this purpose, I came to this hour. I mean, no, we need to realize why we're on this earth. Watch this. Father, 
Pay attention. Glorify your name. Verse 28. Then a voice came from heaven saying, I have both glorified it and will glorify it again. Therefore, watch this, the people who stood by and heard it said that it had thundered. Others said an angel has spoken to him. Jesus answered and said, this voice did not come because of me, but for your sake. And so he confirms that it was a voice. I don't know if you noticed this, but as this thing is carrying out in these scriptures, we just saw three reactions. We saw three different things we saw one thing happen, three different things saw, seen. How many know when an accident happens, three different people see three different things? It all depends on their perspective and where they're at. What happens right here is we see an outer court, an inner court, and a holy of holies. The first group, okay, so we know that Jesus confirms a voice came from heaven. A voice came from heaven. So... The outer court people, we heard, they said, the outer court people, they said, I heard thunder. They didn't hear a voice. They heard thunder. They heard a noise, but they didn't know what the noise was. They didn't recognize the voice of God. Jesus says, my sheep will hear and know my voice. They heard thunder. Then the other people, the ones that were a little more spiritual, those that are daring to get into the inner court, daring to get a little closer to God, they didn't hear thunder. They heard a voice, but it sounded like an angel. I don't know if you're seeing what I'm seeing in the scriptures here. But those who were in the Holy of Holies, those who had a relationship in tune with God, did not hear thunder and did not hear an angel's voice. They heard God's voice. Did you just see what I showed you? Outer court, inner court, and holy of holy people. Now this breaks down more. Outer court people are people who live their walk by what they see. Outer court people, now listen, it's okay. Don't be mad or upset with yourself or convict, condemn yourself or be anything like that today if you're an outer court person because the good news is you can go into the inner court. And the better news is at the moment is that you're not on the outside. You're in the court. You're in the game. It's good to be in the game. Amen. You're in the stadium. But if you begin to recognize you might be this person, I see it all the time, people who, who their faith is moved not by what the word of God says, but what, by, by what they see. Even though the word of God says that we don't walk by sight, we walk by faith. But they are moved and they're up or down by their emotions, by their feelings. It's what they feel. It's what they see. Don't feel bad. Thomas was one of them. He said, I won't believe Jesus died unless I feel his hands and I feel the hole in his side. But Jesus said some awesome words that makes us know that we can get closer to God. He said, blessed are they who have not seen me or touched me, but believe in me. How many believe this morning, even though you haven't seen or touched God? So outer court people are see, feel, the five senses, basically flesh. They're basically here, but they're really not in it. Okay? 
I can spend a lot of time on this, but I won't. Trying to get you to understand. I'm going to make a bold statement, and I hope I'm not talking about our church, but I guarantee you I'm talking about the church worldwide. A great percentage of the church world are outer court people. A great percentage. You're not going to go to heaven this morning because you are in the court. Because you are at the gathering. Let me show you what the outer court is. The 5,000 that Jesus fed. The multitude. Okay, they were there. And I believe some of them put their faith in Jesus Christ. But it was a multitude. Today we have multitudes of churches. Multitudes of people. But not everybody's walking in the will of God. Jesus said, very few will find the truth. The, the road to heaven is narrow. He says, very few find it. Now we know it's not because they can't. It's because they won't get out of the outer court. They won't get past the flesh. They won't get past the sea field touch. Amen? Second one is the inner court. That's where somebody now, the, the Bible's talked about the table of sobra. That would be symbolic to doctrine. Now you're, you've been coming to church for a while. You've come to some discipleships. You've come to some, some new beginners classes. You begin to learn. You've been saved for a while. You actually have a pretty good, strong understanding of what you believe. Now you're in the inner court. You're getting to a place where you kind of aren't just walking by the seat of your pants or flying by the seat of your pants, as they would say. You're actually getting a little bit of understanding of what you believe. How I many know not too many people are there? Come on, be honest. A lot, of us, a lot of us don't study the Bible. And, and, and again, I'm talking church worldwide. People come and they listen and they're good hearers and they're there physically on the outer court, but they're not really digging in. They're not really studying to show themselves approved. They're not reading the word during the week. They're not, they're not getting an understanding that if somebody comes and asks them, like the Bible says, they'll have an answer to why they hope and what they hope in. They'll say, well, my pastor said, and that's good for a while. But you better get to a place where you can talk for yourself. Amen. Amen. You better get to a place where you understand the doctrine, the word of God. Another one is the golden altar, meaning the prayers of the saints. You've gotten to a place now where you know how to pray. You know how to, you know how to feel the presence of God and know he's there. And you know how to listen a little bit to the voice. And now it's not just a thunder, but it's sounding kind of like, a, like an angel's voice. And you're, now you're hearing more than you used to hear. But some people stay there their whole lives. The inner court is that. The holy of holies is intimate relationship with God. Where you hear God's voice. Now, I'm not talking about an audible voice. I'm talking about you hear, your spirit hears when God speaks. And at first when you are in transition between the inner court and the holy of holies, you doubt yourself sometimes. Then experience comes in, Romans 5, you can read that later, builds character and you begin to learn the voice of God and you begin to see where you need to trust your spiritual instincts. That most of the time when God is speaking to you, it is God, but you're guessing and second guessing and all these things. And, and I've found over the years that if he's asking me to do something easy, it's probably not God. Usually I can know it's God when he's asking me to do something hard or he's asking me to do something I cannot do in my own flesh. How many understand that? God's not going to ask you to do something you can do or he wouldn't need, you wouldn't need him. Right. Holy of Holies is now, I'm not just saved. I understand I've been bought. Amen. 
I sent out that verse this morning. I am now the temple of the Holy Spirit. See, that takes you to another level. I'm not just at church now. I'm the church. I'm not just going to a temple. I'm the temple. This body is God's. So I treat my body in a way that's worthy of God's grace. Go on with me quickly. I'm, I'm, I'm moving ahead. I'm going to compare the outer, the inner court, and the Holy of Holies to your body. The outer court would be your physical body, your appearance outside, your flesh. Okay? The inner court would be your soul. You can't see your soul, but it's there. But your soul is your mind and your emotions, and, and that you begin to get a grip on that. And then your spirit is the Holy of Holies. That's the deep things of God. That's way inside. How many know that what God really wants is that our spirit would be in tune with his spirit? Not just our body. Oh, I'm here physically. I was there, God. That's why Jesus said, hey, not everybody who says, Lord, Lord. You can't be satisfied with just being in the group. Too many people are going to think that, that. And I remember I said that before, that that part where they said, not everybody says, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. I look at that like where somebody's trying to basically walk their walk off of somebody else's fruit. Well, I was there when that demon got cast out. I was there when the person got healed. And so they're going off of somebody else's walk and it's not their own. I got to a place many years ago when I said, God, I'm sick and tired of hearing what everybody else is seeing you do. I want to see you do something myself. I want a personal relationship with you. I want to have my own miracle. I want to talk about my own testimony. I don't want to hear about the big, great people of God did. I want to see you move in my life. I want to get out of this outer court and get into the inner court. I don't want to stay in the inner court. I want to go all the way in. I want to stand face to face to you. Amen. Body, flesh, soul, mind, spirit, direct connection to God. Jesus said, they will worship me in what? Spirit and in truth. Here's another example. I, I, you know how I like to break things down. Here, here's an easy example. If you haven't gotten an understanding yet of the outer, the inner, and the holy of holies, and where your relationship is. Some people really are good hosts. They like to have people over. They're good some are better than others. Awesome. They're open their house up and they fellowship. And how many like to fellowship? Amen. If you don't like to fellowship, something's wrong with you. Fellowship is fun. So if someone comes over to your house, think about this. Break this relationship down in your home. You got three rooms in your house that are super used when people come over. Now, I'm not going to talk about the bathroom. That's, that's not where you fellowship. Amen. That's that's something that's necessary, but it's not a place of fellowship. Amen. Kitchen. Living room. And bedroom. Now, don't, don't start going off on me. Stay with me. Have somebody over to your house. Kitchen would be body. Everybody needs to eat. It's easy to go into a place that you've never been to before. You could be a visitor, never been to the house. There's a party going on. There's a fellowship going on at a house in the church. You show up and everybody beelines for the kitchen because there's food. 
It's easy to walk into a place and grab a plate and get a hot dog and get some chips and get a drink and just kind of talk there. Amen? You've got food. You've got this thing in front of you that kind of makes it easy to talk. We're both eating and there's nothing really, we're really not getting into any deep talk. You're just there. Well, I was there. I ate. That's the outer court, the kitchen. That's flesh. The first thing you want is food. There's nothing wrong with that. And some places are better than others. Amen. Where the food is. Y'all still with me? Then you say, okay, the living room. The living room would be the inner court. That would be a place where you're not just there to eat. You'd actually sit down, talk to that person on a personal level. When you go over to somebody's house that you have a relationship with, see, the outer court is just showing up. Lots of people just show up to church. Thank you. Then you get to the living room. So you go over to someone's house and you feel the comfort of the freedom to walk past the kitchen to the living room, sit down, even pop your legs up on the table, maybe take your shoes off because there's a relationship there. How many know you can go over to someone's house like that and if you know them well enough and there's a relationship enough, you can feel comfortable that you don't have to be uptight and in that living room you could talk about some things you wouldn't just talk to someone you don't know in the kitchen. That's how your relationship begins to grow with God. At first, you don't know how to talk to God. You just come. And that's okay. But God doesn't want you to stay in the outer court. He doesn't want you to stay in the kitchen. He wants you to come into the living room. Then you're in the living room and you begin to talk and you build that relationship. But the third one, church, is the bedroom. Why? Because the bedroom's intimate. There's intimacy in the bedroom. That means, now... Please, we're all adults here and we're all mature. I'm not talking sexually. But in the bedroom, and you can relate this to the, to the church and the Christ and the bride and the groom. There's an intimacy which says, I can be naked before you, God. I'm not coming in with any front. If you go into the bedroom of a person, you sit in the bedroom of a person on a chair or on the bed, you're having a talk that's deep. Deep intimacy with God. And God wants that intimacy with us. He wants us to be naked before him. Not physically, spiritually naked. In a place where you don't, you're not hiding anything anymore. You say, God, you already know who I am. And I know you're holy. And so when I come into the holy of holies, I strip myself of all these things. I strip myself of all these thoughts. I strip myself of all this flesh. And I want to have intimacy with you, God. The Bible said that Moses spoke face to face. I'm going to close with this. An intimate person. I've taken you from the outer to the inner. I want you to go to the Holy of Holies. I want you to move. Maybe you're here this morning. You're not really going to jump from the outer to the, to the Holy of Holies. You've got to go to the inner. But if you're on the outer this morning, I don't know you. You don't know your heart. I don't even know. Listen, I could say even to my own daughter, I don't know. She lives in the house. I see what she does, but she doesn't know. And I, we don't know each other's holy of holies. The holy of holies is just you and God. And it's a place you want to get. You want to get to a place where there's nothing holding back. That you're not loving God because you want to be seen loving God. That you're not loving God because you know it's right to love God. 
These are the moments of the dark hours, the hard times, when most people in the outer or even the inner court run into trouble and they run to somebody. Holy of holies people run to God. Holy of holy people get on their face. Holy of holy people don't need anything else but the presence of God. They need a word from God. They're not looking for a word from a man or a woman. They're going to God. Now, there's nothing wrong with the word from somebody. They're great. But I don't base, I've seen people over the years base their relationship with God on prophecy. On somebody, oh, if I could just get a word. If somebody, I've seen people go from church to church, conference to conference, saying, oh God, I need to hear a word when I get to this conference. You've got to have someone just speak something to me. And God says, I'm willing and ready to speak at any moment if you just come in to the Holy of Holies. If you just strip down yourself and build a relationship with me, I'll speak to you face to face. Here's a last example. I, I'm not going to go into it for time. You know these stories. In the book of Mark, chapter 9, if you want to write it down, verses 1 to 13. Actually, go there real quick. I'm not going to read the whole thing, but just quickly go there. Mark, chapter 9. Say amen when you get there. This is important. This is going to bring it all together because we've gone past the outer to the inner and now we're wanting to get into the Holy of Holies. This is how you get into the Holy of Holies. This is how you have a strong relationship with God. Say amen when you get to Mark 9. Just right here in the beginning, you see, you have to see this key verse. In verse 1 he says, Assuredly I say to you, there's some standing here who will not taste death till they see the kingdom of God come with power. That was not something future. That was then. Watch this. Verse 2. After six days, Jesus took Peter, James, and John. Okay? Peter, James, and John. Now, one thing I failed to mention before I get to this is the outer court is the 5,000. The inner court is the 70 he sent out. You're getting a little closer. You're getting a little more intimate. Holy of holies is the 12. You're a disciple. You'll do anything God asks you to do. Anything. Anything. There's nothing that God, you might say, well, I won't do, you know, with someone so-and-so, but if God asks me, although, understand God speaks through people, and there's authority, so don't get that twisted, because I've heard, I, there's people in Costa Rica said, Jehová es mi pastor. God is my pastor. And they wouldn't listen to anybody. So don't, that's not what I'm, what I'm saying there. God gave us people to listen to, Amen. If we listen more, we'd be in less trouble. So he takes these Peter, James, and John, three people. Now it's even past the 12, and God, sorry, Jesus, is going to go up in this story to the Mount of Transfiguration. And he's going to stand there, and you're going to see, watch this, Moses and Elijah appear with Jesus. And the glory of God shining around him. Peter, James, and John see this with their own eyes. They are in the holy of holies. Peter, James, and John. And they say, hey, we've got to set up a tabernacle for you guys. It's good that we're here. And they don't understand what God's doing. Watch this. God knows your heart. Never forget that, good or bad. He knows your heart. I could say this morning, if somebody asked me, what is the thing that most gives you peace in your walk with God? And I would answer that God knows my heart. 
Now that can be a bad thing too. But God knows my heart, the intentions. He says he weighs the intentions of my heart. How many are still with me as I close? So Peter, James, and John are there. And he says, I want you to come see my glory. Now this is where a lot of people are. And we like to, to see the good. Wow. Did you feel the presence of God this morning? Wow. Did you see that miracle? Wow. Wasn't praise and worship awesome? Wow. It was just a great service. All these different things. And we like the good. But holy of holy people like the good and the bad. The good and the bad. Because later on, just a few chapters later, if you'll flip over real quick, in, verse, in chapter 14, watch this. Chapter 14, say amen when you're there. Who went up there to the Mount of Transfiguration? Peter, James, and John. Verse 14, sorry, chapter 14. Now, Jesus is in the garden. Now, all the disciples, he's saying, hey, would you not tarry with me one hour? Please pray with me. Watch this, verse 32. Then they came to a place which was named Gethsemane. And he said, watch this to his disciples, sit here while I pray. He's saying that to the maybe inner court people. But watch what happens. And he took Peter, James, and John with him. And began to be troubled and deeply distressed. The transfiguration happened before the prayer. But God knew that he could show them his glory because he knew they would be there in his trouble. Real relationship people. See, as the musicians come this morning, watch this. Real relationship people. I'm not even, let's get, I hope when nobody in this place is out of court. If you are, jump quickly to the inner court and start working. But I hope no one's out of court. But there's still a humongous difference between inner court and holy of holies. Because in the inner court, those people are going to be with you a lot of times when things are good. See, a true friend is there in the good and the bad. And that's why it's so hard to find a good friend. Someone who's going to rejoice with you in the good and cry with you in the bad. Somebody who was there 10 years ago and will be there 10 years from now. Hard to find. That's the relationship God wants. He wants to know as a believer that I'm not just in this for heaven. I'm not just in this because of the great things God does for me. How many Christians have you seen over the years in your own walk, or maybe you've been there, but you've noticed people who, when everything's going good, they love God, they worship God, they're happy, they're in church, they're doing good. But as soon as something bad begins to happen, they're gone. I've been pastoring for almost 15 years now, Costa Rica and here. And I've seen it over and over and over again. The true believers are those who praise Him in the storm. Who say, God, I... And listen, the attitude's right a lot of times. Remember Peter said, Jesus, I'll go with you to death. 
God knows a bunch of times you're going to fail on that. He said, Peter, you're going you're gonna to deny, deny me three times. You're not going to go with me to death. Although he knew at the end he'd come around. God will give you his glory sometimes on credit, knowing that you're going to do the right thing down the road. So where's your relationship with God this morning? I don't know where yours is. I want to be in the holy of holies. I want to hear his voice. I want to know when he talks. I want, and I'm not talking about, oh, you know, don't over-spiritualize it either. Well, God told me to go to the bathroom. I'm talking about important things, amen? Things that matter. That's an obvious thing. I want to hear God's voice when he says, don't go there because there's danger over there. And I want to listen. And I want to pay attention and I want to obey. And God will keep me. Final verse, Hebrews 6, 19 to 20. We can now enter boldly into God's presence. The inner sanctuary behind the curtain where Jesus who went before us has entered in on our behalf.